0: Hello and welcome to a Boxing Day edition of Foot Bros. That is to say, we are recording this on Boxing Day. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas,
1: and uh, I hope you'll have a happy new year. How are you doing, Kimi? I'm doing good. We had a nice Christmas, didn't we? We did. It, it was, was a very nice. very merry Christmas indeed. And now we're thrilled, because football's and back! football is back, although it feels like it only just happened. This being obviously one of two years ever in the Premier League, that was a Christmas Eve fixture... Um, no Christmas joy for me. Chelsea beaten 2-1 by Wolves. Raheem um, Sterling failing to pass to his teammates. Yes, in one of the most horrendous errors of the year. Raheem <laughs> Sterling, in a three-on-one with the goalkeeper, decided to have a shot. And it was a bad shot as <laughs> well. It was not a good in, shot. And it just went straight at the goalkeeper. And Chelsea went on to lose the game. And uh, <laughs> Tristan was showing me a clip earlier of Raheem Sterling confidently declaring once, once upon a time that he would... Uh, be very likely to pass to his teammates, uh, to square it to one of his teammates if he was uh, on a one on one with the goalkeeper and there was an open goal. Um so that's uh, that was an unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately an unfortunate, he was not true to his word. Unfortunate clip for him. But anyway, um yes, today is Boxing Day, so we've had some we've had some games already. Newcastle some thrillers. Some, some thriller games, yeah, Newcastle. Well, we'll get into them a bit later, but another defeat Suffered by Newcastle Luton beat Sheffield
0: 3-2 In a game that saw uh, Two turnarounds in five minutes
1: Which is pretty crazy And there were two own goals I think you said
0: Yeah so what happened was Luton were leading for most of the game 1-0 And then just after the hour mark Sheffield pulled two goals back in five minutes To make it 2-1 And then like ten minutes later Sheffield scored two own goals In five minutes And it's 3-2 to
1: Luton and it ended like that crazy wow. that is crazy Luton are doing very well um they're fighting to get out of the relegations they already. are fighting and they they're fighting hard and they might they might succeed and we guess we all kind of hope they do because they're a fun little team they are with a fun little goofy stadium <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true
1: but uh, that's today and we still haven't spoken about the last game week um so there were some interesting things coming out of that Palace and Brighton played each other, to, to yep. ending in a one-one draw, which, uh, funnily enough, was apparently the fifth season in a row when they've had a one-one draw in the Premier League, which is a joint record. <laughs> um, the other, the other record is, uh, well, the the joint, the record is joint with is Spurs beating t- Man City two-one <laughs> for five years in a row between like two thousand four and two thousand nine. Um, that Spurs really gets the better of Man City, I mean yeah. they, they? over time, they just, yeah, something about Spurs. It's like it's a bit of a rock paper scissors thing, isn't it? Yeah. And City beat everyone. Spurs tend to lose a lot, and then Spurs beat City. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's how it is. There must be a
0: psychological element to it. It's like you 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 know your you know this is the game that your team tends to lose, and just sort of
1: <laughs> yeah something something in it. Well, yeah, I mean that's another thing that's cool about football is that these. These rivalries and these big games—they make a difference yep. uh, for the people in them, for the fans, for the players, for everyone. So, that, so yeah, so it might be that um, United and Chelsea, Manchester United and Chelsea, uh, had another two shocking, diff- embarrassing defeats. Uh, it's just—it's uh, just not a good season for either of those clubs. United losing two 0 to West Ham, who, in fairness, are doing quite well. They are. They're they now in well. sixth. Um, so good season for West Ham. And Chelsea again, like I said, losing 2-1 to Wolves. But, but, but slightly more surprisingly is Newcastle starting to string together a series of defeats um, where once they were looking very, very strong indeed and, and, you know, still are in when they're at home and when they're comfortable. But away from home, they've had some bad results recently. Yeah, and it's has uh, been great. Losing losing 3-1 today to, who was it, Forrest? Uh, yeah, Or a team in the relegation zone.
0: Although Forest could be experiencing some new manager bounce here, because Nuno just
1: drank. Well, that does help. But Newcastle, I saw. I, although I just said at home they're usually very comfortable, they were at home today as well, yeah, and didn't. <laughs> uh, that didn't help them. Chris Wood, who was their player like a year ago, uh, scoring a hat-trick against them, Yep, <laughs> which is a funny one. But yeah, I don't know, I think... They, they've had they had they had injury problems yeah, and I think I think true. it's not their confidence I think I think because they're a team still in in development in yep. a way um you know they they may be not prepared to deal with that kind of blow yeah they haven't they haven't got the like conditioning for it or necessarily even the squad depth um that's true so yeah, I mean that and then probably and then while that, you know, can't and shouldn't explain everything. It might just be a bit of a psychological knock-on effect. Yeah, it's you know, possible. They, it's possible. I mean, it reminds me of that confrontation Kieran Trippier had with uh with one of the Newcastle fans a few weeks ago when they lost. And he and he was having a uh, a verbal confrontation with a fan who was getting mad at him for losing and he was <laughs> saying like, "Well, look at all lot of injuries, you know, what do you expect?" Uh, and um yeah, it seems that it is affecting them. It's affecting them. Teams' um,
0: confidence is, is shaken.
1: But, you know, it, it, a lot of people predicted before this season that Newcastle wouldn't do as well as they did last season because dealing with uh, dealing with being in Europe, although they're out now, but they were in Europe and sort of dealing with the pressures of now being a bigger team. Yeah. The fact that this league is so strong this year. So, oh well, yeah, you know, a lot of people did say that they wouldn't necessarily make it back to the Champions League, for example. And I think that's that's fair. It looks know. like it's a it fair looks, It looks like yeah. it's a fair assessment. It looks like that's what's gonna happen. They probably get Europa or Conference League or something like that.
0: But as you so said, they then. are a team in development and they yes. maybe did overperform last year because they had a bit of a, a bit of a bounce and, okay, yeah. and so now, now they're now they're gonna get into the swing of it and who knows, you may be looking at I think we may be looking at a potential sort of Arsenal style development over time, you know, in the in the it took Arsenal a while to get to get back to get on their feet properly, uh, and and speaking of Newcastle having a poor a poor run of um, of form, I think it, it's affecting the FPL assets because earlier on or a few weeks ago um, there was some very solid Newcastle assets. I'm thinking of Trippier. I'm thinking of Anthony Gordon, but it's been a while since Newcastle have kept a clean sheet. Trippier's not uh, as performing like he was. Gordon has hasn't has had some. Slight injury niggles hasn't been performing as well as he had previously. Is it time maybe to go off the Newcastle assets from uh, an FPL well, point of view?
1: It's funny that you say that. I've just tripled up on them, <laughs> or at least I own three of them, okay. and um, and I would if they were all fit. So so I have I have Dubravka, Lascelles, and Gordon. So Lascelles was injured today against Forest, so he didn't play. But I would have happily tripled up if he was fit because <laughs> normally at home to Forest is again Newcastle. A, a month ago, would have absolutely plowed that team yeah. at home. Some four 0 would have win, something like that. Um, but yeah, just yeah, they're they're not in a, they're not in a good they're not in good form right now. So uh, you yes, you might be right. I mean, I, it you know, for me personally, Dubravka and Lascelles are both like about four million. They're both slightly over four million. Yeah. Um, and Gordon is also about five million or five point six million something like that. So. I don't, I'm don't. not too worried about still owning them because they're so cheap yeah. and there's not such an obvious... I mean, I, I plan on sort of rotating them anyway except maybe Gordon unless he really goes... Unless he really starts to underperform. I think he's a good asset to have. Yeah. Dubravka, I'll happily rotate with uh, Ariola, my current other goalkeeper and Lascelles can rotate with my other defenders. So... Mm. Uh you're right, they're not they're hardly essential to have. Yeah. They even you know, and I would say that about Kieran Trippier as well. Um, in particular. Well uh, you know, the 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 time of him being sort of one you really wanted to own. So yes. there there, were, there that were, ship has sailed Yeah, they're quite there were quite a few weeks where I, I didn't get him because I wanted to keep my like, premium midfielders in Haaland. But I was feeling more and more regret as weeks passed as he was getting clean sheets and assists and, and he was scoring so much. And I was like, oh God, do I, do I need to just figure out a way to get him? And then Newcastle started to <laughs> slip. get his slip and have these bad results and, and Trivia got injured. And it's like, oh, okay. But then... No yeah, regrets. <laughs> at the same time though, um, Harlan got injured and Trent uh, became the more sort of um, go-to premium defender. And it... Um, And it kind of raises the question now of um, when, when all these sort of players come back, when Haaland comes back from injury... It raises the question, and with Solanke, and also sort of um, performing really well as a forward, he just scored today. He scored a hat trick last week, which is very surprising. Mm-hmm.
0: And Solanke's playing for a team right now that's performing really well, so that also adds to his adds to his his uh, cachet.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that hat trick he scored. You so sometimes a player will just pop up and score a hat trick, and you're like, oh my god, are they are they essential now? And then <laughs> they tend not to replicate the feat. But but solanki's really finding some. Consistency. Yep. So um with him showing up, with with Trent performing really well, with all the midf- sort of premium midfielders performing well, um, and then so when Haaland comes back, there will be a bit of a question as to who you pick. There'll be a real dilemma. Um you can't afford all those people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so so yeah, it'll be a tricky one. It'll be a tricky one for me. So I currently own all of them. So I currently own Solanke Watkins, Salah, Son, and Trent. Yeah. And when Haaland comes back from injury, I don't know who I need to move on in order to make money, in order to free up money. I I really don't know. Well, I personally own Watkins, Solanke, and Haaland right now. I've
0: kept Haaland despite despite the injury. And I don't have Trent. And personally, I'm not missing him too badly. Uh, I... I think, you know, if we look at our respective scores over the last few game weeks, they're pretty similar. Uh, I might have lost a couple points here and there, but uh but overall, especially when Haaland is back. Like right now I think Trent might have been worth it, but it's too late for me to do that now and I was doing other stuff. But especially when Haaland's back, I think Haaland is a it's better you're better off having that solid attacking lineup you yeah. yourself have said this isn't a season for clean sheets so if you if you want to if you want to get a defender i don't think premium defenders are the way to go personally
1: yeah that might be true but <laughs> another there is another source of funds that i could look at which is saka he he's not lighting the world on fire right now mm. he's not you know he's doing okay he gets he gets a a return regularly enough but if currently he doesn't feel essential, yeah, you know, and and that but that could change because Arsenal are a strong team and he is there. He's their star boy, right? We so also, yeah. I mean, I think
0: we also have to consider that most people, us included, uh, have some priorities to deal with, namely the players that are going to be absent for the AFCON and the Asian Cups because that's coming up. That's game week twenty one, I think. Well, yeah, and so that's that's in two game weeks time, and so for people who have like me, I have two players that are going to be playing. That's my next two transfers are, are going to be dealing with that. So I think that's like that's like the priority question. right?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Getting ahead of things a bit. Yeah, because because even if Don Holland does come back, um, there is, yeah, the AFCON, the Asian Cup for the next few weeks. So this problem will only really come up in like game week 25. Mm. Um, so, yes, until then, the question is, who do we bring in? Because there's some big names heading off to... Um, to these cubs, and even
0: the, some smaller big names, and even some small
1: big names. They're so notably, well, notably, Son and Salah are probably the, the biggest names, yeah. But then there's also players like Mohammed Kudus, Yep, H- uh, Huang, Huang Yi Chan, um, others, Karol <laughs> <laughs> Mitoma, remember? yeah, Mitoma, you yeah. he's
0: know, he's gonna be out. So, there's there are there are a lot of and there, so, yeah, there are a lot of these. So, there's these, they're the two major players. The, the big question marks are Son and Salah because a lot of people own them, and 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 they're you know, they're, they're guys that are hard to replace in their yes. they real premiums.
1: So what are you going to be doing about that?
0: So I will be replacing Salah and I have Huang He-Chan that I've been looking to replace for a while anyway, so that's good timing for me. Yeah. I personally think I'm looking at uh, West Ham, who are performing well. I would have got Kudus, but he's, he's going to be going to AFCON probably. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm going to get Jared Bowen, I think. Yeah. In for Salah. And then uh, in for Huang... I think I'm gonna go for Pascal Gross who's been performing quite well for Brighton recently who has always been a good performer for Brighton it has to be said and uh, yeah he's got quite a few assists even goals and I think Brighton are, are slowly coming back to to some decent form at least I hope they are and, mm. uh, and so yeah I think I'm gonna go, think I'm gonna get get Pascal Gross. okay
1: fair enough I um that sounds good. I um I think I'll also get a West Ham player and probably also get Bowen. I think West Ham are on very good form right now and Bowen's a very good player who we know can you know Scroll. score <laughs> and, and yeah have attacking output um undoubtedly. So I think that, I think he's a good pick to get in place of Salah. As for Son, I I would like to keep a Spurs attacker because I think no they're a good team but they've in particular they 're an attacking team, yeah, um, they, they prioritize attack over defense, um, so I would like to have something in in the Spurs attack when Son goes off, and I think that might be Richardison. i haven't haven 't completely settled on that, but it, it currently um and is playing him up front as a striker, yep, and i can 't imagine he would stop doing that when son leaves um. So there is also possibly Kulosevsky. Yeah, Madison I would have gotten, but he's still injured. I think he will be for another month or so. Um, then there's Brennan Johnston, who's also pretty good. But I think I think Richarlison's the most likely to just to, to to get goals. Um, even though he he plays as a striker, but for some reason he's a midfield classified as a midfielder in FPL, so he is a direct replacement. Um, so I think that might be my move. Yeah. You know who else could be a replacement if he comes back soon enough. Kevin De Bruyne, oh yes, De Bruyne. Because he
0: is on the road back to he's on the road to recovery, and I don't know the I don't know if the timeline has been announced, and if it has, I don't know what it is. But uh, I have heard that he is close to coming back. I've heard he's so in training. Does.
1: He's train. He's training with his team. Yeah. So so that usually indicates, yeah, uh, he's coming back soon. Sort of two or three weeks, maybe. You might be right. So the Afcon and Asian Cups are in game week twenty one, right? They start then. That's yeah. when they start. Yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. So keep an yeah, eye yeah, on De Bruyne because that could be a solid replacement. That's a very, for, it's a very a very good replacement. Like Salah. Yeah. Considering he's also a, a sort of premium. De Bruyne is always in that sort of slightly annoying category uh where he's like he doesn't he's not as consistent as Salah, but he will like he will perform and he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll like pop up with like huge holes every now and, yep, and then yep, yep, I feel yep, like yep. he's more likely to blank for three weeks and then get a goal and three assists <laughs> uh, and, and like when and so you bring him in sometimes hoping he'll do it but it doesn't always work out and it's yeah, like yeah. oh yeah and then you, you want to keep him because he's a great player but he he's too expensive and you can't have him and Salah so you have yeah. to sell him and, uh, he's, he's a bit of an annoying sort of <laughs> position so um, having, having him out <laughs> has relieved some of those headaches but now we're gonna have them again, so that's fun. <laughs> yep, the De Bruyne headaches. The De Bruyne headaches. <laughs> it's gonna be no.
0: headaches for all the teams playing against him as well. Yeah, he
1: is a phenomenal player, and you know Man City might be targeting a bit of a resurgence. So that that may that you know coinciding with his return. Yeah, it might be. It might be a good time to sort of get in on that. We'll see. Okay, Tristan, I think it's time for our football game of the week. Oh yay! Here we go. What's our game, Keenan? Our game this week is. Ranking team achievements. So, over the over the over the course of the Premier League's existence, which I think is about thirty years or so, um, there have been there have been a few teams. They have achieved remarkable things. And today, um, I would like for us to attempt to rank those achievements um, in our in our opinion of of what's sort of the most most impressive. impressive, yes. The most phenomenal uh, in, the, in, you know, in the context of, of the time and things, other things going on. Um, okay, so those teams are Manchester United, 1999, who won the treble. Arsenal, 2004, who went in- invincible, so unbeaten for a whole season.
0: Yep.
1: Chelsea, 2005, who won the league by conceding a record 15 goals for an entire season. Leicester, 2016, who against all odds won the Premier League, Mm. and Manchester City, 2023, so last year, who also won the treble, like their um, Manchester, like their red counterparts. Uh, Yes. Would you like me to go first? Uh,
0: Yeah. Go for
1: it. Okay. All right. So, having thought about this, in fifth place, obviously these are all you know amazing historic achievements and. We're not undermining any of them, but yep. we do have to put them in an order. <laughs> so that for is me, the game. that is the game. So for me, in fifth place, I've gone with Arsenal's invincible season. Uh, while it is while it is very you know impressive to go for an entire season unbeaten and it has never been replicated, so there is definitely something about that fact like that this no one has ever gone invincible again. I think it's a slightly overrated achievement because the undefeated also includes draws. And they had a lot of draws. And um, others have pointed out that if a team were to draw every game of a season, they have a very good chance of being relegated. So, <laughs> you know, it, this yeah. So this team did draw a lot. They did still win the league. So so obviously they won a lot as well. But they also drew a lot. They also didn't do all that much on the rest of the season. They got they got knocked out of all their other cups fairly early on. You know the Premier League, while obviously a great achievement, is the only trophy they won that season. So, so I'm putting that in fifth. Um, in fourth, uh, this is harsh, but I've gone with Manchester City's twenty twenty three treble. I it's a it's incredible to win the treble, but the reason I put it in fourth is I do think they they just were the best team, and. <laughs>
0: And uh, therefore and, and, and it's a lesser achievement. Yeah, yeah, and I'll
1: explain why. I'll explain it. That sounds really hard, but I think it's a more impressive achievement to win things when your team is sort of not on paper as good as others. You know, City had the best players, the best manager, the best sort of coaching, and that, that is no, you know, that is a remarkable thing they've achieved, but it's just, it feels like the best team won the won the trophies. They were favourites to win, you know. And in that way, in that sense, it's not. I don't put it as high as others. Um, and then, so because I couldn't, then it would be unfair to then put it much higher. I've gone then in third with United's ninety nine treble. Then this might be biased. Sue me. I put Chelsea's. <laughs> I put Chelsea's um, two thousand five season in second. They so to put this in context. So they, they conceded only 15 goals in a 38 season, right? And they only lost one game in that season. So so to put that, a 1-0 defeat. So in context, if they had managed to score one goal in that game, they would also have gone invisible, invincible like Arsenal did. So, mm-hmm. so that's why I've put it, things in that way. I just think conceding 15 goals, no one has, else has ever come anywhere near that. It's there's just... I don't know. I just think having such an impenetrable defence and winning the league in that way is is quite is quite a cool achievement. But it does not compare to what I put as number one, which is Leicester two thousand and sixteen winning the league. Absolutely, no one expected they would do that. Team that emerged to win the league, you know, through just unselfishness, stories of you know, what is it how would you say like against all odds? People like Jamie yeah, Vardy, yeah, underdog. It's underdog. Underdog. It's story. a great underdog story. It's one of the best underdog stories in in for English football. You know, people like Jamie Vardy, who once played in like non-league, yeah. went to prison for a bit. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, he was a, incredible. A, uh, he led really the team. A part of that there team. were there were players who players who made their name playing in that team. Kante, mm-hmm. Mares, uh, players, other unselfish players who just yeah, through through a combination of teamwork, unbelievable will and desire. They did the impossible, so that's my number they one. They won
0: the best league in the world. Like there are some. Yeah. Sometimes there are like surprise winners in leagues where the competition is less stiff. Yeah. And there's like, someone will win. I, I, I not that long ago somebody won Liga, but the only real major competition is PSG that you had to beat out. And then once they'd done that, you know they got ahead of them yeah. But Leicester had to had to wade through a minefield of major teams. <laughs> So and, true, and stay there because they didn't it's they didn't like come up out of nowhere they 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 went
1: top early and stayed there like it was it was a it was a proper champion run it was amazing yeah sorry one thing I meant to add to the to the, my explanation of Chelsea because um I, again i wanted to I feel like context is important. This So Mourinho arrived at a time when the league was dominated by Arsenal and United United and Arsenal. Hmm. And so I think that's, that's also just a, a bit of added context that he arrived and achieved this while the league was dominated by others. Not like they were dominating the league and then yeah, set a new yeah. record. He he sort of arrived and did that. So yeah, just wanted to add that. On to you, Tristan.
0: Well, it's pretty much the same as yours, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I... um. It's basically the same thing. I but I switched City and United. Okay. Uh because my argument there is I feel like United won the treble at a time when uh the major teams had more of a hold, I think maybe. Okay. Uh, like like you know United and Arsenal, and I, don't think, I don't think there was a huge amount of like serious competition other than them. Yeah, and uh, I I for the precise reason that you put City below United, I think <laughs> I'm putting City above United is that they were just the best team, and <laughs> I think there's something to be said about just proving that in in the bluntest of ways. Yeah, and like. We've seen we we saw Pep stumble in the weirdest of ways in a Champions League final previously, and there have been other seasons where they were beaten to this and that because some last minute blah blah and this time they're just like, nah. <laughs> across the board. It's time to win. Across the board, we are winning. <laughs> and and then and they just did. And even though and even though Arsenal went five points clear of them, they, they just came steaming back. <laughs> no problems no problems no issues for this man city team that were just that just steamrolled and i think there is there's credit to be to be given for steamrolling in the way they did
1: yeah i mean to be fair it, it might yeah it might be the, because they make it look so easy but the the uh... People, including myself, underrate the achievement. You know, there's something. There's something you have to really give credit for. Is also their psychological resolve. Yeah, you know you, these team. They look robotic because they sort of act robotic <laughs> because they things just don't phase them. You know, go down in a game, come back and win it. Go down in the league, come back and win it. You know, and and they do that. And they're just they are winners. You know, they all they have the, they have a culture of winning at the moment at Man City. Um, Especially in the last season, when they won the treble. So yes, I understand that. And the rest, you did in the same order? For the same reasons? Uh, or to other the reasons?
0: rest... Now, so I, I also... I, I initially had Arsenal higher. I bumped them back down again for similar reasons to yours. But I do think that credit should be given to... I think credit should be given to the fact that... It requires... For the similar reasons of mental resolve... It requires some mental resolve to... To keep not losing, yeah, <laughs> and to 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 score those goals when you're down, and you could be you could lose this one and come back, make it a draw, make it a win, turn it into points, make it a positive result for the team every time. Uh, but yeah, when you when you look at it, there are there are teams that have had unbeaten runs that are similar. It just wasn't in a whole season. You can look like, like you say the Chelsea achievement is more impressive because. Because that really is a solid, impenetrable the defense and stuff like that. But points should be mm-hmm. merit to be given for the mental resolve. Yeah. Oh, fun game. Thank you, Ken. All right, cool Good game. Good idea. Let's let's have a little. I think it's time to take a little moment to talk about uh, a, a major football topic right now, but that isn't related to to scores and results. Yes. Uh, the recently not shut down. European Super League!
1: Yes, the European Super League has, has re-emerged as, as a topic of conversation because there was a a European court ruling that said UEFA um, abused its dominant position to basically shut down the possibility of this European Super League happening, which sort of, from a legal perspective, paved the way for it to happen once again. Um, so, so it came up again, it was being proposed, it was being discussed, but um, quite quickly almost all of the sort of um participants from the last time who would who had um proposed to participate quickly made us put out statements saying they would not be participating in this one they they wanted to it was all very similar at least in the premier league it was sort of like we you know we want to keep working with FIfa and UEFA and the fa to uh to create uh, to just sort of keep um having exciting european competitions and and yeah we we don't want to no interest in entering a, a new league format. Mm-hmm. So so it seems to once again be dead in the water, with only Real Madrid and Barcelona, all the big teams that are still cheerleading it, championing it. Um But yeah, so what are your what are your thoughts on this on this European Super League? They they seem to have so the format seems to have differed a bit. The proposed format seems to have differed a bit from last time. Last time was really a bit crap. It was just like (laughs) it was was just an exclusive league, no relegation or anything. Just very very sort of Americanized kind of like closed league. All the big brand teams would play against each other. That's what it was last time. (laughs) This time it was it's a bit more inclusive. And it seems a bit more interesting. Uh, so, Fabrizio Romano, the uh, the football journalist, put out a tweet where he kind of laid out how, um, how the proposed format would look. So, it would be 64 teams with three divisions, star, gold and blue, with promotion and relegation between them. And then 14 games for each team, um, each season, seven at home and seven away. And there would be two phases to it, uh, a league phase and a playoff phase. So that does sound somewhat better than the, the old format that was being proposed which was much more elitist yeah. much more closed off to the sort of big name teams um the big brand teams the ones with money the ones with big followings the you know the, the old version really was just for them and it was for them to make more money and <laughs> and this still feels like that but a little bit more open a little bit more digestible for the fans um but still the base format is a little bit yeah they also
0: proposed a a women's version in the new one with a star and gold
1: yes so it's so that's it's good as well so there are improvements and you can see that they're trying and you can see they you know they've behind the scenes working with their marketing people to try and make <laughs> it a bit more a bit more digestible to everyone but ultimately they've kind of shown their hand beforehand which is they it's just an effort to make more money it's an effort um, to
0: have them in permanent European yeah po- yeah
1: exactly because um, but- even
0: though there is promotion and relegation in this in the in the new version the fact of the matter is that, that that it's that it's promotion and relegation from one league to another so unlike the Champions League Europa League Conference League where you have to you have to get into them via your domestic performance and so it can w- wildly vary from a season to another star Golden, blue you you get promoted and relegated within the 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 thing so if you come bottom in star you get relegated to gold if you come bottom in gold you get relegated to blue and if you come in the lower part of blue you get relegated out of the of the thing and you have to perform well to get back yeah. but that means that the big made teams the major teams that are going to be like in star league uh, it's highly unlikely that they'll ever be completely relegated out of the European thing, which means they basically have permanent. Well, Europe it's
1: available. yeah, it's, it's so true what you said. It's that is really the thing is to have a permanent presence in some sort of European competition with eyeballs. And as I recall, the original um, sort of version of the European Super League was the ringleaders were Manchester United and Real Madrid, and you can understand why because even then Manchester United were struggling with performances; uh, they weren't. Sort of, they weren't in a position to consistently be getting Champions League, mm. and Real Madrid feel hard done by because they're such a huge name in football, but but they're not. A, but the La Liga is not able to compete with the Premier League right now for eyeballs and for money and for sort of sponsorships and so on. Um, so so for Real Madrid, they really want something else to <laughs> to be a bit of a cash cow for them for that, what they feel they deserve. Mm. Um, and mm. Manchester United, they want you know, a, a permanent route, like you say, a permanent route into Europe because they can't really do that through actual football right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, now, now Barcelona, so now the two teams that really want it are Barcelona and Real Madrid. And and it's really just because, like I said, La Liga can't compete with the Premier League right now. Um,
0: for viewers. For viewers
1: and, and for brand deals and all that stuff. They're yeah. not, it's not as well run. And so, you know, Barcelona in particular are f- really financially... Uh, in a bad struggling, bat, struggling in a- Real Madrid
0: and Barcelona are suffering from the losses of Ronaldo and Messi I mean Ronaldo left a yeah. while further ago in Messi as well it's been a couple of seasons but I think that the, 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 matter, the fact of the matter is a lot of people turn to Real Madrid and to Barcelona for those two players a lot of the newcomer football fans across the world who sort of Learn to love football with those those goats, as it were. Yeah, uh, they watched Real Madrid and Barcelona for those players more than they watched the clubs.
1: Well, they were yeah. I mean, so they were the last, the most recent ones. But but once upon a time, Real Madrid and Barcelona had all of the world's biggest players. Yeah, that's you know, also there, true, there was yeah. a time when when they dominated world football. Um, you know, for example like there've been a lot of landmark occasions like like Haaland coming to Manchester City it, it it seems strange to say but someone pointed out that this is one of the first times that a young superstar actually went to an English club over one of the two Spanish giants true it's almost you know in the past it hasn't been like that a lot of thing a lot of things changed mostly because the Premier League has just been better managed mm. you know they've they've done a good job of sort of making the league as a whole seem more more important, making Mm -hmm. even the smaller fixtures seem important, making it sort of interesting and compelling to watch. And as a result, they have become more important. Those teams have gotten stronger. The whole, almost all of the Premier League is just so good. Like, you know, and we're seeing that being played out week in, week out, when relegation teams beat teams at the top of the table... You know, it's just it's just such a good league, and people want to watch it, and then and that creates a cycle: more people watching, gets more brand deals, gets better players, gets yep. more people watching. It goes yep. on and on, and and so and so. Frankly, this is a bit of a desperation thing right now for for the Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um,
0: I will say this though, as you told me that you you heard Klopp say, <laughs> so this is definitely yes. me me taking words out of other people's mouths, but. Um, <clears throat> I will say that it is nice uh, it's nice it's it's not a bad thing that UEFA and FIFA uh corrupt and awful as they are <laughs> get a bit of a kick up the ass uh in terms of monopolies like that they are reminded that they don't just get to do whatever it is they want I personally for example do not like the new Champions League format at all. And uh, and and so I think it's nice that somebody's knocking on the door, reminding them for yeah. the you know the the, the the legally legally they have been reminded that they can't just have the full run of their field yes. of the field, and that they do need to pay attention to what people want.
1: Yeah, and 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 this the European Super League sort of advocates they know this as well. That's why they talk about like making it free to watch and. Or, like having yeah, easier access for people. It is so true that time and time again, we've seen a lot of this sort of corruption come out of FIFA and UEFA, and I agree with you, I have no I have no issue with them being reminded that they're not the only game in town and they can't just they can't just get away with everything. And speaking of healthy competition and our desire for it, um, <laughs> I believe you uh, you read something interesting recently, Tristan, about about why it is we we love to sort of watch competitions so much.
0: Why we love to watch sports? Why yeah, do we, we love do we football? Sports? Why do we love sports? Okay, so historically why we love football is a whole thing, but uh, why do we love sports? We being human beings. Uh, well, one of the main reasons is there is a part of our brain deep deep down at the base of our brains the oldest part of our brain uh, that that the one that releases dopamine so dopamine is basically the hormone that makes you happy to to, to go quickly um, and that part of our brain is concerned with a certain number of vital functions for example eating is is, is something if we, when we when we eat uh, it, it, it gives us dopamine and another thing that it gives us dopamine for is when we figure out where we are in the social hierarchy mm. of the world. So, uh, when, when we observe other human beings in competition with each other, or when we ourselves are in competition with another human being, mm-hmm. uh, the simple fact of watching it releases that hormone, dopamine, because by watching the competition and seeing a winner emerge... Uh, What our brain believes we're doing is figuring out who is above whom in the social hierarchy based on strength or even brains. The same thing happens if we watch a chess game. It's got the same same impact on our brain because intellectually someone is proving themselves superior. It's interesting, this only functions uh, with human on human competition so human versus ai or something like that doesn't work in the same way because our brain doesn't believe that it's helping to to create that social hierarchy All Right, and so basically watching sports releases dopamine and makes us happy in our brains crazy fact and we we know one of the reasons we know this is because uh, if you in in like chimp colonies mm-hmm. uh, whenever there's a fight between two, uh, two, uh, two chimpanzees, the other, all the others will stop and watch, and they're like they'll be they'll be attracted to what's going on. It's like a major event, and it's a major event for this very same reason because for them it helps to establish the social hi- hierarchy and okay, so this guy's stronger, so I have to maybe maybe I need to sidle up to this dude instead of that one because he's looking he's looking weak now. Same basic <laughs> idea.
1: We sure do love social structures, don't we? Yes, we do. As a species. And (laughs) it is funny that sport is is part of that. Yep. So so many things are just an extension of our (laughs) innate desire to know who's the best. Yep. Yep. But anyway, that doesn't take away from the fact that we love it. (laughs) And we're going to keep talking about it. Yep. (laughs) So, yep, see you next time. Uh, Next time is game week 20. So that means it's time for us to make our moves in our season-long table prediction game. So uh, tune in for that. And, uh, yes, see you then. Bye. Bye.